0: This episode of the SaaS Revolution show is sponsored by Oyster. Oyster is the global HR platform that makes it easy to employ people remotely in other countries. It's purpose-built for globally distributed organizations that want to tap the global talent pool and give all their employees around the world a great employment experience. Oyster lets you hire, pay, and give great local benefits in over 75 countries. To find out more, Visit OysterHR.com.
1: Great marketing creates demand for this thing, right? And so it's one thing to be like, yes, I know I'm going to buy a Peloton, whatever. It's another thing to, you know, have created that demand two or three years ago, not during a pandemic. And so um, I love, for me, that means like the combination of creativity and demand gen, I think is like the most powerful combination in, in marketing.
0: Dave's originally from Boston, uh, Massachusetts, or at least he's there now. Uh, He's, I suppose, a B2B brand builder. It's a pretty good description on your LinkedIn. And he's the CMO of Privy, which is number one sales app on Shopify. Shopify. He's also a very skilled podcaster. I've been listening to his podcast recently. It's it's excellent on B2B marketing uh, leaders. Um, And he kind of cut his teeth, his podcasting teeth, way back in a 10-month stint with UpSpot where he would have become skilled at both producing and promoting um, podcasts. Um, but those conversations are only adding layers of knowledge to the knowledge he already has in terms of setting up a, a, a marketing structure, marketing team that can power your way to 10 million a or which is what we're all about here. So, Dave, uh, welcome to the session.
1: Yep, thanks for having me. Okay.
0: Um, very briefly, before um, I, I, I'm actually going to ask you, you know, uh, how you define marketing and how you would uh, and your experiences with Privy and with Drift. But um, <coughs> just before I get to that day, just to set the scene, could you take two or three minutes to take us through, you know, your earlier uh, experiences as a product manager in const- in in um, uh, and as, a, and as a, an account management lead, one of those companies was Privy, which you went back to. And your brief marketing stint in HubSpot as a marketing manager. Just give us a steer of those experiences and how they influenced. Take us up to the young marketer uh, that entered Drift in 2015.
1: Yeah, I I, I didn't really have a clear path. Um, and so I just kind of hopped around and just did a bunch of different things. I wanted to work in tech. I wanted to work in startups. And so... I worked. I had a. I, I worked in PR, and then I went from PR to product marketing, and then I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a marketer, and so I left. A, I left a bigger company and went to a startup where there was no marketing jobs, but I knew the founder, and he said, "Hey, if you want to work at this company, you can have a job." However, the only job that we have is, uh, you know, customer success, and I was like, "Sure, I don't know what that is. I can, I can talk to people. I can talk to customers. I kind of can figure this stuff out. I'll do that." And I think that was really. Um, influential and in just like building up this this knowledge about a, a bunch of different things, I, I really was uh, a generalist who could write. I think writing and copywriting and speaking and presenting was kind of always my strength. I just didn't know that that could be channeled into marketing. And so um, I had to sell, I had to market, I had to write press releases. Like I, I, I basically got my uh, MBA, got my master's degree in in marketing through hopping around at all these these little companies. But it wasn't really until um I went to Drift that that things changed for me because that was that was the first time where I was the I was the first marketing person. There was an ex- established company. Uh it was, sorry, it was an early it was early company that was not established. So I had to then apply all those things and say, hey, this is now on you. You got to figure out how to launch this website, you got to figure out how to create content, you got to figure out how to get traffic, you gotta figure out how to get leads. And that that, at least for the way that I learn. I learned by doing, and so that was like, okay, you've learned a bunch of things over the last couple of years, but now you have to actually go and do that. The most valuable experience of my career to date.
0: And just before we get into your experience in Drift, uh, I believe you were there. Um, some you were there for uh, was it four years, two months, something like that? What was? And you, you kind of worked your way up from marketing manager to VP of marketing. What was their AOR? Can you remember roughly when you joined? I mean, they were only a couple of years old. And what was it when you left? Can you remember the order of magnitude
1: change over those four years? Of course. I'm a, who would for, who would for, who would forget? Who would not know that? Um, so when I joined, I joined. There was probably ten. I would say ten to twelve people on the team. Um, I was the only marketing person on the team. There, there was like an intern. But I was the first like full time marketing person. Yeah. Um, no expectation of running the team. Uh, no expectation of building the team. Um, I I grew by doing the marketing, and so um, I started doing a bunch of the things. Started creating content. Started started our blog. Started our email. You know, started to just own the marketing strategy. Just took ownership of it, and because of that, I just continued to grow as fast as the company did, and so. Oh, hey, Dave! uh, You can now—you get to hire your first person. Let's see if you can do this. Okay, made first hire, made the second hire, made the third hire, all the way up, um, and just continued to grow um, until the end. When I when I left, the company was. 350 people and the marketing team had grown, the marketing team had grown from zero to 30 people. Um, and so it was, it was really, you know, it it was an amazing experience to learn to learn both starting something and, and getting it to that scale. And then I, I, I hopped off at the end because, I think the the stuff that I really love is the early stage stuff. I think like the title of this, of this session is like 10 million. And I think, I think that's really a good sweet spot for me because I, I love marketing. If any, anybody who knows me and knows the stuff that I put out in the world, like I, I love marketing um, also. And so like, I like, I like to do that. And so what was fun about going to Privy is the, the, the marketing team is six, seven people. And so I get to be, you know, way steep in just about everything and, and, and still get to do enough of the doing that, that, that kind of scratches that itch.
0: So um, so basically a, a marketing team of one to 30 over four years in, in, in Drift and, and a hell of a ride in terms of uh, growth. Um, talk to us a little bit about what worked, um, what it was uh, that worked for the marketing team there and how you were able to drive that level of growth during your time in Drift.
1: The number one thing that worked was... We just didn't do things like everybody else did them. Um, there there isn't one there's not like one particular channel. It's not like we got email right. Um, we did things like nobody else did them and And what that meant was when we got into the space, there's literally five thousand other sales and marketing tech companies. Uh, and so you know, even if we did make the best product in the world, there's no way people would believe us because if you know there's seven thousand five thousand other products in there. and so from the beginning. Um, the founders pushed, pushed us in marketing to really focus on, on building a brand and to, and to stand out by doing things differently and creating a real story and connection with our potential customers. And so the number one thing that kicked things off for us was we took a clear stance about who we were for and who we were for, who we were against. And so we came out, and we said, um, Hey, marketers, I know you hate lead forms. I know people hate lead forms. And we made this like, we made lead forms the perceived enemy, right? And that's obviously, like it's, a, it's a fake thing. It's a, it's mar- that is marketing in a nutshell, which is amazing. But what happened that was so powerful was when we started creating content about like, this is, hey, here, there's a, the way of doing, the old way of doing marketing is broken. There's a new way that we got to do it that puts people first and treats people like people and blah, 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 blah all of these people that we didn't even know started to come and say hey i want to follow your content i'm on your email list i love your blog i love your content okay we didn't even have anything to sell them yet but we had built an we started to build an audience before we were ready to sell yeah. through content and so people were like wow i love these people's take on take on the world uh, i totally agree and so then 6 months later when we actually launched our product we weren't we weren't going out to the world saying, hey, we're a brand you've never heard of, buy our product. We were saying, hey, you know us, you 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 know us, you like us, you trust us, you've been on our email email list, you've been listening to our podcast, you've been reading our blog for six months now, you know how we think about the world and you know how we think about marketing. Do you want to try our brand new, our our product? And like that that part, that journey, that part of the company was like the thing that cemented the, that was the foundation for everything that we did after that. And so it wasn't one marketing channel, it was more of this, this, very clear company story. And, and I guess, uh, as Andy Raskin calls it, the, this strategic narrative that we created as a company.
0: It's very interesting to hear that. And it brings back memories of my early days in Salesforce in 03, when we were doing lots of web to lead forms uh, and you know, uh, yeah, basically a, a lot of outreach, a lot of high touch stuff. Um, I'm interested to hear how your background in customer success and your background in content um, really influenced you as a marketer. Sarah Varney was on your excellent podcast, uh, and she said that the goal of marketing is to make markets. Um, is, would you would you say that in Drift? when you were producing all that content, when you were describing things around the problem you were about to address uh, and creating that expectation, creating that awareness, do you believe you were making a market when you were doing that?
1: Did she say that? That's a good quote. She I didn't, I don't know. In your you know, how sometimes when you do a podcast, you're not always paying attention or during the interview. <laughs> the point of marketing is to make markets. I, I like that. Um, what, I, what I really like about that is I think that, I just think that the best marketing teams and the best marketers. Let me let me put it a different way. I think it's easy to capture demand. Like, um, if you are marketing at Zoom right now, your job is not hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, and so, and so, I I think that and there's nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. That that is a dream. Like I'm sure everyone's getting paid well. Everybody's hitting their numbers. Everybody's getting bonus. It's fine. But I think that like what separates the good marketers from the great ones is that the great ones can go and create demand. And so like the way that I interpret that quote from Sarah is great marketing creates demand for this thing, right? And so it's one thing to be like, yes, I know I'm going to buy a Peloton, whatever. It's another thing to, you know, have created that demand two or three years ago, not during a pandemic. And so um, I love, for me, that means like the combination of creativity and demand gen, I think is like the most powerful combination in, in marketing. And so um, I think that's, that's why we created, like we focus on creating a category at Drift because we're like, there, there is no way to define this thing that we're doing. Yeah. We need to go and create a category, which is like, go all the way back and read the 22 immutable laws of marketing by Al Reese and, 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 and and Jack Trotter. Like um, rule number one is like, if you can't, Rule number one is to be first in the category, right, uh, to be the best. Rule number two is, like, if you, can't, if, you can't be be, if you can't be first in that category, create another category that you can't be first in. And so I think we, we, definitely, we definitely ran that play. But also, I love this line from Christopher Lockett. He said, um, if you can't be first, be different. And so we said, we're different. We are a new way of doing marketing. This is conversational marketing. If you believe that you want to do marketing this way, come with us. And We created a movement that was that was bigger than like a B2B software company.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, in fairness, there are great marketers who are great at executing on those areas where there's a clear lead in the market. You had uh, Gong.io, a company I'm very familiar with because I interviewed one of the fans, but you had Udi over there. And, he, you know, his definition of marketing was, to make sales easier, right? So uh, there are people who can run faster than others uh, in that area, but there's no doubt that um, you know creativity is the uh, creativity is that is 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 harder to find. Would you agree that in in the B 2 C space, you know, there's always been, or for a very long time, there's been tremendous marketeers in terms of create because it's so hard to differentiate sometimes. Let's say in the f in the fast moving consumer goods space. But if I go back in time to when I was in SaaS in the early days, so I still am, of course. Um, you know, I would have seen marketeers as kind of execution meisters. Maybe one of the reasons Salesforce did so well was their CEO is a brilliant marketer, Mark Benioff, and that's why they produce uh, great marketeers. Um, You know, how do you think there's been a massive step change in the last seven to eight years in what's expected of a CMO and and how a CMO uh, builds a, a, a marketing organization? And talk to us a little bit about Segue from that into actually how you went about building that team in Drift before we get on to your latest.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. I, I can't leave Udi's comment alone, though, because I, I want you to know that I, I agree with Udi's comment. That I think sure. I, the way that I interpret that is marketing makes sales easier, not marketing makes the sales team's job easier. I think that's one piece of it. I think like I read that as marketing, like capital S, marketing makes selling overall. And that means like Absolutely. people. Learning about you yeah. buying. So I, I love that. I love that one. Me too. Um, so you, you mentioned like the creativity. I think what, what's interesting about what you mentioned, especially in the Salesforce example, is I think you have to understand the role of the CMO or whoever the marketing leader is, whatever. Because um, I, I I was running marketing as director of marketing and even senior manager of marketing. It's like it depends on the stage of the company. Yeah. Um but i think you have to match the, the the ceo like somebody has to be the visionary i think from a from a marketing standpoint like the point of the job if you're marketing if your marketing person is not your best spokesperson or best public speaker or best cre- you know uh, person that's going to get everybody fired up at your company then it then it damn sure better be the ceo yeah. because if, if if it's not, if this if it's not the CEO and your marketing person, like you need the marketing leader, needs to be the person who can stand up in front of the company, get everybody fired up in the company, but also go deliver a keynote in front of a thousand of your customers and have everybody be like, That's the person we want speaking to our potential customers. And so I do think that look, I love demand gen, I love product, all that stuff is so important. But I but I think that the like the creativity and the visionary and the the inspirational part of any type of marketing is is so important. Um, unless you just have a brand that just that just prints money and you just then you can just be an optimizer. Or in the case of a visionary CEO like a Benioff, then it's like a yin and yang thing where you you need to match the marketing team with you know with that type of personality. And so um, I think there's a bunch of great CEOs who do this. And, but I ultimately, I think the, the best the best thing you can do in marketing is to be that spokesperson. And in line with that, understand understand the strength of the CEO. I think the CEO, ideally, the CEO is the best speaker at the at the company, right? Because like at the end of the day, um, nobody wants to hear the CMO. You know, like people just people who don't know marketing are like, oh, the CMO is just going to talk about some some product stuff. You want like you want Steve Jobs, you want Mark Benioff, but.
0: Now now we are going to get to privy but let's have a look at the structure of the marketing organization that you built for Drift and what I'd love you to focus in on is what did that look like by the time you got to one and a half two three aor because the people on people in the audience here they need to get there before they can get to 10 who were your first hires and and you know how do they interact what did that look like
1: yeah so we grew, we grew really fast in the first one or two years, um, and I think a lot of that was product of the the story and the fit. Um, however, I think the the the, mo- the first the first marketing person was me, and I'm I'm not saying that from an ego perspective. I'm saying that because it's an important lesson, which is in the early stages of a company when you're building out the marketing team, everything is a game of matching, and yeah. so you have to say, okay, if we have Dave. What are Dave's strengths? He's a good writer. Uh, he's a good content creator. Um, he can do, you know, the, the website, product marketing, content. Okay, but we need a full time. But he's not like an in depth writer. Okay, so we maybe we need that. Maybe we need a demand gen person. You have to strength. It's not. I hate answering team structure questions because I could tell you whatever, but it doesn't. It doesn't match. It needs to match the stage of your company. The people yeah, people at your company. It also has to match the founder. I think too many founders let that let they they let themselves off the hook for marketing, where they're like, "We're trying to hire a Dave. I'm trying to hire a marketing leader," and I'm like, "Okay, great. Which one of the two founders is going to also be responsible for marketing?" And they're yeah. like, uh, "I don't know," because like what was amazing about what they had right at Drift was the two founders basically split up the different job functions because everyone is different, right? And so like the CTO. Um, he, he, he took product engineering and, and kind of the sales piece of it. And, and David, who's a CEO and I, we worked really closely together on the marketing thing. And so I had his buy-in on marketing from day one. I think a lot of early stage marketing company, uh, marketing teams don't make it because they don't know the CEO has no, there is no executive person there. And so like, if you're going to bring someone on more junior, like myself at the time, you better match them with a founder who's going to who's going to like really be invested in marketing and want to see it through from a business perspective because me at at 26 years old there's no way I'm going to have the influence and 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 capabilities to be able to do that. So number one is like team fit. For us at Drift we we quickly, I was creating content on my own and quickly saw that content was working in that we grew blog traffic pretty fast. We launched a podcast that became popular pretty quickly. And so the first thought was like, how can we double down on that? And I was like, I'm not a writer and I don't have time to like, not a long form writer and I don't have time to write. So we hired an amazing writer and he just cranked on the blog for basically like a year um, after that, we hired a video person and then we kind of brought in um, a more demand gen product marketing person. And really the first four or five people were all kind of multidisciplinary, uh, kind of the word I would never say. Um, they're, they're kind of athletes in that they can do a little bit of everything um, With with my role kind of being like player coach. Right. I, I, I am managing the team, but I'm also writing the headlines and I'm, I'm coming up with the strategy with the CEO. That was the right mix for us at the time.
0: And that seems to be a recurring theme with, with top CMOs like yourself, one of your guests. And they're all top CMOs. Uh, I think she talked about she spotted the, um, the she, she matched up her best digital specialist, SEO, whatever, with um, her best demand gen person and do remember that and, and put them, put them together, uh, I
1: I know you're going there anyway, but like on on the, on the privy thing, like the, the first person that I hired, because my, 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 like my background and my bias is not demand gen and ops. I, I, you know, I'm the creative product marketing, you know, content. And so the very first person that I hired going into privy was someone who is way better and way smarter than me on the demand gen and ops side. And so I think like, that's the most important lesson, which is like, who are you? What are you? You have to identify what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? But also, like, what things do you naturally gravitate towards and you and you you want to do versus don't want to do? Because if there's things that you don't want to do and you need to do them for the company, that's going to be a mismatch. I think that's really such an important thing in the early stages.
0: So would you say a great CMO or a great first marketing hire is almost like a founder within the startup Almost has to think like the CEO, but within the context of the startup, and think about where the limitations lie, uh, where what resources are needed, and how they'll match up optimally.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't say think like the CEO. I think the CEO has a lot more to think about. Uh, sure. You know, I think I think maybe maybe like if you think of it as the CEO of marketing, because yeah. if it's just you, no one is going to tell you. Hey, we should think about doing an event. We should think about, or, or you might get, hey, you're, the CEO might say, hey, we should think about doing an event, and you got to turn around and be like, uh, who, who's going to teach me how to do that? Like, you have to figure it out, and so you have to be a mini CEO in the sense of like, what's the budget? There is no budget. You got to make it up, right? Uh, who are you going to work with? You got to figure those things out. And so you have to be a you have to be a creative problem solver, and like a CEO, you have to be always thinking about two things at once, which people struggle with, which is you have to be thinking about the present. How do I hit the number today? How do I build the right foundation today? While building the while, while thinking about what's next. And so it might not be the time to do this now. But, you know, in six months, we want to launch a YouTube channel and really make that a, a important piece of our strategy. How do you like how do you hit the number today? And then also, you know, build the foundation to do that. I think you got to be able to do both of those things.
0: Now, now you had a you were you you had a more junior role with Privy in their very early days, and you've come back to them as a CMO. First question is really what drew you back, and the second question is in that year, in this last year, what have you brought to the table? And you know, you know, what sort of uh, how how have you changed their marketing structure?
1: I don't. I'll have to think about what I've brought to the table. Um,
0: <laughs> it's so it's It's just uh, no, it's I'm just, the, I'm the just kidding. Result.
1: I don't do, I don't do much. I just, uh, the, the CMO, like that's what people don't understand about the CMO job. Um, I'm kidding. So I think, I think what the, the reason that I went back was um, I had a great relationship with Ben, who's a CEO. And we always had kind of talked about like, cause I was only there for a year. The company ran out of money. It just wasn't the right timing for me to stay there. And, and we just stayed in touch and, and he had been trying to like, you know, every now and then say, Hey, what if you can't, you know, like what if you were what if you did marketing here? What if you're Cmo here and and he'd always be sharing me like, you know, look at how fast we're growing. Here's the opportunity. Look at these people that want to work with us. And I was like, wow, this does look pretty exciting. It's just not the right timing. And then, um, you know, it became the right time for me, like I said earlier at the end of uh, of drift. And what was super exciting was, okay, number one was, I have another CEO that I know understands marketing and I, I want to work with. And so like David at Drift and Ben at, at Privy both understand marketing. And that is like 90% of the job and being successful as a marketing leader is like, can you get on the same page with the CEO about what marketing should look like, right? So that was a huge check the box. It was like, No matter what I do in life, I have to agree with the CEO in marketing for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then the second part was e-commerce. Like e-commerce is such a... E-commerce was such an exciting space. Uh, I, I've been super interested in the e-commerce kind of world and, and Shopify, and thought we could build a really cool brand in there. And then, kind of this year, it accelerated because of COVID. And I didn't, I didn't predict that, obviously. But even, even back in you know September a year ago, it, it was, it was huge.
0: Now, uh, just before asking next question, just to let our esteemed audience know. Um, we're, I'm going to ask another couple of questions of Dave. Uh, I'm really enjoying this chat and uh, listening to his insights. If you have a couple of questions, start please start putting them into the, um, into the chat there. Uh, if you can appear on screen, we'd love you to do that. If you don't want to do that, that's okay too. Um, but uh, you know, please uh, start thinking up some questions. We've got Dave uh, captive here inside that square box in front of you for another half an hour at least. Maybe he'll, he'll network a bit longer, we'll see. Um, but uh, <laughs> Sarah Varney, no pressure there. Today. Sarah Varney, um, CMO uh, with uh, Twilio on your show, uh, I thought it was interesting how she said she loves to... Because we've been talking about creativity. Let's talk a little bit about KPIs or things that we really need to focus in on. And, you know, you asked her, what are the what are the things you like to hone in on? She said she narrows it to three. And in her case, it was actually getting... and was getting like devs to use it at the top of the funnel because top of the funnel for their their product uh, It was getting leads it was getting <coughs> uh, it was really clear and seemed to make things easier for even though they're doing a hundred different things um do you take a similar approach do you do you have like two three four things for example uh, in, in your latest gig that you absolutely uh, double down on
1: yeah I think I think it starts, I think what I what I have learned now, and, and I don't have nearly as much experience as Sarah, which is like the cool part about doing that podcast, but um, I think what I've learned now is it's just people only care about the business, they, they only care about the business impact of those marketing metrics. And so uh, you need to show people the metrics that they can, the, you need to show them the metric that they need to see in order to know that marketing is working. And okay. working at any company, we, like this is, this is all SaaS, right? Yeah. Let's be honest. Everybody loves to talk about 15 different things in SaaS. The only thing that matters is recurring revenue. Yeah. Period. Right? And so, the, the, like, if you can focus marketing on what are the two or three leading indicators that you have into revenue? Because marketing, oftentimes, you don't own revenue directly even in the enterprise. However, there are some leading indicators. So like a leading indicator to revenue could be pipeline, right? So maybe one metric is pipeline. A leading indicator into pipeline could be meetings. Okay. So if meetings are up or down, we have an indication of pipeline, which is up or down, which has an indication of revenue, which is up or down. And then you can even go one step higher, which is like, leads or MQLs or whatever you call them, those are typically the the two or three things. And you might also show like traffic on top of that if that's relevant to your business.
0: Okay. Okay. So you so, so you do you do approve of and I think there's a difference between what business needs to see and what you know you need to focus on absolutely internally. Sometimes they're not they're not exactly yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, look we we talk about we we talk about different things in a marketing team meeting weekly than we do at the executive team level that we do at the board level. It's 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 different, right? You kind of go from 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 simpler to simpler to to you know more of the details internally, and you need to know those things. The marketing team needs to know website traffic, blog traffic, you know, conversion rate, all that stuff. But most of the time, it's not because we're all going to sit around and and all debate about what we think the color of the the T-shirt should be.
0: Now, privy is, it's a pretty horizontal play, which would indicate that the the time or the total addressable market should be be pretty huge. And you're obviously very skilled at going after those, uh, you know, small to small, medium-sized customers. Uh, Looking into the future, um, do you, are you gonna focus more on becoming ever more effective at addressing that time or are you going to, are you gonna look to move up market? Or where's Privy
1: gonna go? We're gonna focus on small businesses in e-commerce, which is huge. Just I don't know what it is, but Google <laughs> Shopify market cap, it's huge. Um, yeah. So we're 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 dead, we're we're really focused on the on the bottom half of the market, which is like how do we help small businesses be successful with marketing and figure out marketing? Um, not you know, we're a $50 million revenue company. We got four, five, six different agencies. Um, you know, th- th- that's not, that's not our sweet spot. Our sweet spot is, Hey, you, you got, you got, you got, you want to grow to a million dollars in sales. The way that you're going to do that is by following our stuff at Privy, using our product. And we're going to help get you there.
0: Yeah. You you're kind of doing two gigs, Dave, because you have the, uh, the Dave, the D DGMG, Hopefully I got it right or something close to it. Uh, you got your own gig going uh, and you, you know, Big part of that is your podcast, very good podcast, I will say. And I, I don't, I don't like a lot of tech podcasts, but uh, business of tech podcasts, I do like yours. Uh, you, uh, I do one obviously myself, so I'm opinionated. And you also are doing privy at the same time. First of all, how do you balance? Uh, how do you balance that up? And second of all, are they mutually beneficial? Is there, you know, is there does one take for the other?
1: So the way that I balance it is, I um. I block off my calendar, and from 9 to 12 every day, I do... No, that's bullshit. And everybody wants me to say that answer. The only reason I'm able to do the DGMG thing, and it's taken off to this level, is because this is what I am uniquely... This is what I'm uniquely good at, which is like I just am thinking about marketing all the time. (laughs) This is who I am. It's really weird. Like my wife knows it, right? This is... And so all I'm doing... Is I'm sharing all of that stuff directly with an audience, and I'm I'm gonna after this I might be walking over to the kitchen and making breakfast, and I have an idea, and I'm gonna pull out a voice note on my phone, and I'm gonna be like, hey, so I just did this interview with the with the guys at SAS talk. and you know one thing that was awesome was, and I'm gonna upload that, and that's gonna work. Cool. And it's, please do it's, that. Please do that. I will. I will. I will. Okay. However, but here 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 the, the reason the reason that it that it has grown. It's not because I have found some time in my day to create it. That does uh, You do need to keep feeding the content beast, no doubt. But I've spent the last four, five, six, seven years of putting out content online, on, on podcasts, on social media, on LinkedIn. And so I knew that DGMG would be successful because I had just spent... like I already done all the testing on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I was like, man, I just can feel that if there was like more of this content or longer form of it, people would want it, period. And so I launched it and like, I hate having to explain why it's successful because that is why it's successful. Right. Which is like you put, you put out the content. This is why I'm so bullish on building an audience. Like you have to, the b- best thing you can do for a business is build an audience, put out content in the world, learn what, learn what works and what people want and what you're uniquely positioned to create. And sure. then just go and give it to them. And so now like it's been amazing where I, I understand what people want. And so I can continue to give them that. But I just kind of like it just comes out of me and I just try to sh- try to share it there. Um, on the on the pretty side of things, I think I think it is. I really do believe that that it's mutually beneficial. You know, if you think about the the park, like I spent an hour or two weeks ago talking to the freaking CMO of Twilio. And learning about how she does marketing. She has a 250-person marketing team. They did a billion dollars in revenue last year. Uh, two weeks before that, I spent an hour talking to um, Bill Mesitis, who is the former CMO at Slack and Zendesk. And so, like, it's just such a I wish people, I wish more people knew this. Actually, maybe not. It is such a hack to host your own podcast and to create your own content. So, like, Yes, a hundred percent. It made me. It's helped me because it's made me a better marketer and it's made me a better a better marketing leader.
0: You just predicted my next question because <laughs> because I've learned a lot from interviewing founders, interviewing SaaS founders. That uh, uh, same thing. You just get so much from it. Uh, I think particularly if you're actually hands on and you have been for for uh, a number of years. Uh, so you you have found yourself taking uh, ideas. Some of the ideas. What was one of your guests said that. Good artists create. I, I don't, I yeah, don't fully agree with it, but I understand what you're saying. And great art, artists copy. Uh, you ha- have you found yourself actually taking a few nuggets from the interviews and applying them uh, into preview?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Like the interview with Bill Masaitis, we talked a lot about um, career development, and and uh, I read I reached out to him after, and I was like, hey, can you? Um, can can you help me think through? Can you can you send me like your team, your team kind of org str- structure that that he that he kind of runs people through? And so, yeah, I I, I I've gotten some like sp- very specific advice like that, but I've also gotten like, huh, it's interesting that that team owns the website and not that team. That's kind of been a pain point for us. This is one way to solve that problem.
0: And I, I, you know, it's a recurring theme again. I know I like schema. Uh, the CEO of Satal, he's he's got uh, uh, the SaaS Revolution show. it's another great show, but he he brings some of that stuff back into the company. And uh, you know it's uh, it is a fantastic opportunity to to uh, to create a brilliant network, but also to 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 great to to get great insights. Yeah. Yeah. it's, it's, it's honestly similar
1: It's similar to like travel it's similar like going to events you know and obviously we nobody's doing that right now but like it, yeah. it's similar to the feeling of like you go to sas doc and you meet you know you meet four or five other you know marketing leaders who are doing what you're doing and you come back and you're like oh i got all these new ideas from people who are doing the same job it's like so there's so much value in having a, a peer group so if you can do that make it happen
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Dave. Now, just for the audience before we wrap up, you know, please hang around. You guys can can uh, network with each other there in the chat. Uh, I don't. I know you're a massively busy guy, Dave. I don't know if you can hang around and and uh, and network with them. If, if you can't, don't worry. Um, what? Regardless of any of that, I just want to say uh, that was a great conversation. Um, you're uh, you're obviously it's not just that you're on top of your game; it's your passion for it. Uh, It's your love of the experience of being a marketer, I think, that that probably brings your success to you in terms of, uh, you you know, focusing in on the experience of the customer. Um, All I can say on behalf of SaaStock is thanks a million for a brilliant session.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a fun conversation. Um, Okay. I, I can't stick around, but I'm I'm out there on the internet. If you wanna, if you wanna say hey, so
0: okay. Before you go, I just want to hold you to one thing: when you're in your kitchen or wherever you might be, and some beautiful thought comes into your head about about Sastock and what we're doing here, and about this conversation or about anything, uh, I want to hold you to that one. We're waiting to see that, and will we'll, Okay. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll make a
1: trade. I'm, I'm, I'll make a trade. I can I can, I can hook you up with some free PR. I got you. Don't worry.
0: Okay. <laughs> excellent excellent okay listen have a beautiful beautiful day take care Dave. thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the sas revolution show i hope you enjoyed it and if you learned something from it check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming Doc conferences around the world